0: This Christmas, feel joy, gift joy and send them joy with the perfect gift at Arnott's. Explore an endless array of gifting that will bring joy to everyone on your list. Shop Irish at the Christmas market, support emerging new businesses with Pitch 22 or find something extra special from one of our world-class brands. Shop in store and online at arnott's.ie
3: Life's full of things we can't depend on like the Irish weather, predictably unpredictable. When you're cutting it fine, but the tractor in front is out for the day. No winner of this week's you-know-what. So much for Lucky 7. But some things you can depend on. Like in home heating. Emo, Jones Oil and Campus Oil are now Certa, Delivering the same warmth to your home now and into the future. For home heating you
1: can depend on. See SertaIreland.ie Monsters is a podcast about the worst human beings on the planet. The episodes of this podcast deal with murder, dismemberment, torture, rape, child abuse, and mental illness. Please turn back while you still can. Listener discretion advised. I want to take a moment to give an extra disclaimer on this episode. All of these stories in this season describe horrible acts against children, but this case deals with rape between siblings, which is described in detail in court, so please be advised. On March 24, 2015, Michelle Blair was served an eviction notice at her rented townhouse in Detroit, Michigan. Blair was not home, so a crew entered the residence and began removing furniture. When they got to a white chest freezer in the living room, they found the body of a teenage girl inside. When police arrived, they discovered the body of a younger boy underneath the girl in the same freezer. It turned out that Blair had killed two of her children and stored their bodies in a freezer in the living room for more than two years. This is Monsters.
2: Come back and find out that he's deceased. Tapping me on the head, telling me I'm cheating, telling me I'm, you know, let me see your phone. I just kill her and she
4: die I think Diego Campione... He's totally in the wrong, and I hope he burns in hell for all his sins. Hell's not a very fun place. I only
1: have two hands. I'm not four hands, girl. I'm two hands. I am that
4: 4 hands girl i am 2 hands i do not know,
1: just get escalated, escalated. <laughs> in this season, I focused on stories of filicide, the act of a parent killing their own child. There are five categories that filicide fits into based on the reason for the murder. They are altruistic, which is when a parent kills their child because they think they're saving them from something. Acutely psychotic, which is when they kill for reasons created out of mental illness, or for no reason at all. Unwanted child is when a parent kills a child because it benefits themselves in some way. Fatal maltreatment, when a child dies from physical abuse that was not meant to kill the child and spousal revenge when a parent kills a child to hurt the other parent. Michelle Blair's case is the first one I've come across where a parent killed a child to protect another one of her children, or so she claims. On one hand, her son Stephen died from injuries caused by abuse and Blair wasn't intending to kill him. That would fit in the fatal maltreatment category. Her daughter, Stoney, was deliberately killed by her after she found out Stoney was abusing her younger son, Matthew. That crime doesn't really fit into any of the categories. It was altruistic towards Matthew, but not towards Stony. She intended to kill Stony, so it wasn't fatal maltreatment. It really is a unique case. The classification system was developed by psychologist Philip Resnick in 1969 after reviewing 131 cases of filicide committed by both mothers and fathers. We've been using this classification system ever since, but I can't find any source that it's ever been updated. I've researched 60 cases of filicide, and my findings have not matched what Resnick has found. His study says that spousal revenge filicide is the least common type of filicide. His study found that it was responsible for only 4% of filicides. Of the 60 cases that I've researched, 23.3% fall into the spousal revenge category, which makes it the category with the most cases. Most of the cases I found occurred after the year 2000, so maybe this study needs to be updated to account for current trends. Are more parents killing kids as a form of revenge nowadays? I'd be interested to find out. Michelle Blair wanted the world to believe that she was a loving mother who would do anything for her children. Unfortunately, behind closed doors, she was an angry and abusive woman. She had two daughters, Stoney, who was 13 years old at the time of her murder, and one older daughter, Gabby. Those two kids were fathered by Alexander Dorsey. She then had two more children with another man, Stephen Barry. Those children were Stephen, who was 8 years old at the time of his murder, and younger son, Matthew, who was allegedly the victim of sexual abuse by Stoney and Stephen. They lived in a townhouse in Detroit, Michigan, and Blair was not able to pay the rent. She had difficulty keeping a job and relied on welfare and money she received from family members. As far as social services knew, she was supporting four children by herself, but even though two of those children were dead, the payments still weren't enough to support them. Her family had stopped giving her money and suggested she get a job, a suggestion she chose to ignore. On march twenty fourth, twenty fifteen, a crew from the thirty sixth district court entered her home and began removing the contents. Not only was the residence trashed, but inside a chest freezer that was located in the living room, they found the body of Stony Blair wrapped in plastic. The police were called, and when the contents of the freezer were searched, they discovered the body of Stephen Barry underneath Stony's body. A neighbor told police that Michelle Blair was at another neighbor's residence and they were able to locate her and place her under arrest. She immediately confessed to the murders and pleaded guilty. After psychologists deemed her competent, it was made official in front of a judge. Now
4: the information I have before me is that... You want to plead guilty to count two, the premeditated murder of Stoney Blair. Yes. And count three, the felony murder of Stephen Barry. Yes. Okay. I'm, am I correct that you want to plead guilty to those counts? Yes. Okay. You understand that if I accept a guilty plea, you'll be subject to a mandatory sentence of life in the Michigan Department of Corrections without the possibility of parole for both cases? I understand. Okay. You understand Michigan does not have the death penalty? I do now. Okay. I want to make sure that you understand this isn't a sentence agreement between you and the people. You're voluntarily admitting to these two counts and subjecting yourself to those sentences. Yes. Is that correct? Is that a yes?
1: Yes. Okay. The bodies were sent to the medical examiner for autopsy, but it took three days for them to thaw. The medical examiner determined that their deaths were caused by severe beatings and burns. They had been in the freezer for more than two years. Michelle Blair's reasoning for killing two of her children was that Stony and Stephen were allegedly sexually assaulting her younger son Matthew. Once she pleaded guilty, she had to officially explain her crime to the judge. Judge Hathaway starts by asking about the murder of Stony, which makes the story get told in reverse. The order of events in the deaths of her two children goes like this: Blair comes home to see her youngest son Matthew putting his dolls in inappropriate poses. This leads him to inform her that her other son, Stephen, has been raping him. She spends the next week severely beating Stephen, scalding him with hot water, and choking him until he dies from the abuse. She put him in the freezer. About nine months later, she discovered that Stoney was also involved in the sexual assault of Matthew. She then spends some time repeatedly beating and starving her before she strangles her to death she has her oldest daughter, Gabby, put her body in the freezer. In her official confession, they talk about the events that led to the death of Stony, and then the events that led to the death of Stephen.
4: What did you do to Stoney Blair that makes you guilty of premeditated murder?
1: She raped my son.
2: I intentionally killed her.
4: How did you do that?
2: Um, starting from the beginning, when I found out about what Stoney was doing to Matthew, it was nine months later after find out about Stephen. So for the whole nine months, we were in the house. She was still raping my child. I did not know that. When I first found out, after Maddie told me, um, I took a minute because I was not understanding, you know, what was, that she did that to him. But um, I repeatedly punched her. On many occasions, my son, I told him to tell me every single thing she did to him. So as she was telling me, he was telling me more and more things that she did. I assaulted her every time he told me what she did to him. Um, By assault, I mean, I punched her. I have put a bag over her head till she lost consciousness. I threw hot water on her, scalding hot water from the faucet. Did you hit her in
4: the head with a wooden stick? Yes,
2: I hit her in her head multiple times, over and over.
4: Was that shortly before she died?
2: That was actually a day before she died and the day she died.
4: Okay.
2: Um, I hit on her back. It's like with her tailbone. Um,
1: I kicked her. She always maintains that she did not intend to kill Stephen. After two weeks of constant abuse, he eventually died. She did, however, mean to kill Stoney.
4: And perhaps you don't know, but did this happen on or about May 25th, 2014? May,
2: May 25th is actually the day she died, or okay. well, the day I killed her.
4: And you said you killed her by putting a grocery bag over her head?
2: Yes, Um. that day. Maddie would tell me different things because she was doing this to him for years, and I did not know that. You get what I'm saying? And I didn't find out until nine months later. She had started with Stephen. She ruined my son, okay? She started with Stephen before he even started. So, yes, I put a bag over her head, but um, it got Was worse that, that day. You? Yes, I did. It got worse that day because Matthew would tell me how she would take her pad, her menstrual pad, and squeeze her blood out in his mouth, Okay? And it was just, it was over with after that. It was over with.
4: You meant to kill her?
2: I definitely meant to kill her. Okay.
4: It wasn't an accident?
2: No, not at all. Okay. If I had a chance to do it again, I would.
4: When you went and got the grocery bag and suffocated her, that was your intent?
2: Yes. Okay. Um, she was standing in the bathtub. I was throwing hot water on her. My son was standing to my right outside the bathroom door, and he was telling me everything he was telling me. I looked at her, and I'm like, you did this? And she was like, yes. So I actually had a stick, and I was hitting her in the head. Every time he told me something, I hit her very hard in her head, and I was throwing hot water on her. And when I actually took her out of the bathroom, I took her back in her room, and I just kept staring at her. And I said, excuse my language, but I'm like, why the fuck would you do this to him? I'm just like, you know, I'm constantly asking her. She kept saying, I hate him. And I'm like, you hate him? You know? And she admitted to me that she hated Gabrielle. She hated Steven. She hated everybody. And I'm asking her why. She says, because everybody always think Matthew's so cute. And I'm like, so you like your brother, because you get what I'm saying. So it's, I meant to. I definitely meant to. And I do not feel any remorse for what I did to Stoney, because she had no remorse for what she did to my son.
1: It's unclear how long Blair abused Stoney before she killed her. It sounds like she started doing the same thing to her as she had done to Stephen, but a specific incident sent her over the edge. Blair claims that Matthew told her that Stoney would take her used menstrual pad and squeeze the contents into his mouth. She says that she put Stoney in the shower and hit her hard on the head with a stick while also throwing hot water on her. This is the day that she placed a plastic grocery bag over Stoney's head and suffocated her to death. Someone in the courtroom requests that Judge Hathaway ask Blair if she ever witnessed any of the sexual assault acts.
4: Did you ever actually see anything of any sexual abuse of any kind between either Stephen and Stoney and Matthew?
2: I reject her question, but I will answer it because no one will say that this did not happen because it actually did. I
4: just want to have a clear record. Because so far, all you've told me was that you just heard it.
2: Did you ever and that they did it? admitted it. No, I did okay. not. You okay. get what I'm saying? Yeah, no,
4: I understand. But
2: as I went back in my head and thought back to all the many things that was wrong with Matthew over the years, and I'm like, that's what was wrong with you? He'll use the bathroom and say, Mom, my butt hurts when I poop. I don't know, Matthew. So I started giving him 100% juice to make his stool softer, maybe, to help him use it. That wasn't the problem. It wasn't his stool. It was that he was being raped, Okay. My son looked me in my eyes, and he gave me a very detailed account of everything they did. Matthew is not a violent boy. He is a very sweet little boy. So for him to stand there and look at me and say, do it again, he was hurting. You know? Okay. At a certain point, I told him to stop talking, and I said, Stoney, you tell me what the fuck you did to my son. And I said, Matthew, if she's saying anything that's not right, tell me. She started telling me many things, many things. And I also asked her, so why didn't Steven tell me that when I asked him, did anybody do this to him? Why didn't he tell me that you did it to him? Because Stoney was going upstairs, beating Steven's ass, threatening him, basically, at a certain point after I was hitting Stephen, I didn't want to look at him. I didn't want to I didn't want to look at him. So I told him to go to his room. When it came time to eat, I didn't want to take no food up. So I sent Stoney up because she volunteered not knowing at that time that Stoney was raping either of them. But every time she went upstairs, I wouldn't have known if she hit him or not because I had put many bruises on him. So every time she went upstairs, she admitted to me that she was hitting him also, knocking the hell out of him, telling him, you better not tell her nothing. You get what I'm saying?
4: I understand.
1: This is a big point of contention with Blair. Obviously, there is some question as to the truth of her claims about Matthew being raped by his siblings. The prosecutor in the case refers multiple times to the fact that there's no evidence of sexual assault happening against Matthew. Blair claims that Stoney and Stephen admitted to it, but they're dead now. There is no record that shows that Matthew has confirmed or denied the claim. It's still a claim made by Michelle Blair that has never been proven. At one point in the audio, she says that Matthew is standing there saying, Do it again! She's referring to punishing Stoney, and every time she abused her... Matthew would say do it again. She's claiming that Matthew would only want her to hurt his siblings if they had really done something terrible to him. Blair asked Stoney why Stephen never ratted her out once she found out that he was raping Matthew. She claims that Stoney had also raped and abused Stephen prior to abusing Matthew. Once Blair found out about Stephen raping Matthew, Stoney started beating and threatening him to keep him quiet. It's confusing to keep track of, but the order of abuse according to Blair is this. Stoney starts sexually abusing Stephen. Stoney and Stephen start sexually abusing Matthew. Matthew tells Blair that Stephen is sexually abusing him. Stony beats and threatens Stephen to keep quiet about her. Stephen dies. Blair finds out about Stony sexually abusing Matthew, and eventually finds out she also abused Stephen. Stony dies. She's still concerned about whether or not people believe the rapes happened.
2: Can I ask you a question first? The people standing behind me, this woman who just asked the question, is she trying to make it seem like this did not happen?
4: No, no, no. no. We just have to have a clear record.
2: Okay.
1: Turn this right is moment.
4: your time to talk. Go turn ahead.
1: On a moment. All we're trying to do is just make sure that the record is clear. And so, don't worry about behind you. Just do it. She you.
4: I mean, right now, ma'am, this is just you choosing to plead guilty. The people do not have any sort of plea agreement. Yeah, because, you know, it's
2: like I'm willing to take a, a polygraph test. It's like because I understand people don't want to hear me, period, but I'm going to I'm take on I'm everything.
1: Her lawyer does his best to relax his client. She is a naturally aggressive person. They finally move on to how Stephen died.
4: Tell me what happened to Stephen.
2: Um, I came home one day. My daughter, Gabrielle, my oldest, met me at the door, and she's like, Mom, come see what Maddie's doing with his dials. And I'm like, what is he doing? He was making one dial, his little wrestle man, up on top of the other. No, I'm like, Maddie, why was you doing that? I said, anybody ever do this to you? He said, no. I said, then why are you doing that? And he said, yes, Steven did. And I was like, so this is the first I'm hearing about that, period. This was nine months before Stony." Okay, Stoney wasn't downstairs, and I, she was always in the background. I wish to God I had questioned everybody together, but I didn't. Would but, you say this
4: was around August 30th, 2012? No,
2: this was before August 30th. August 30th is when he died. Okay. This when was maybe a week, a week and a half.
4: Before he died? Yes. Okay, so that, Matthew telling you that set off some action? Yes, I went Did upstairs because Stephen was
2: upstairs in him, his and Matthew's room, and I went upstairs and I said, Stephen... Matthew said you was humping on him. And then Stephen stood up and he looked at me, and right then I could tell, I could tell something was wrong in his face because he was just like this. Any normal kid, I know my kid would have been like, What? That's not what he did. He stood up and looked at me like he had lost his mind. Okay? And it, it just hearing that from him had me fucked up in my head, period. But I asked him, I said, Stephen, tell me the fucking truth. Was you humping on Matthew? He said, Yes, but that was all. And I said, did you hump on him with your underwear off? He said, no. Matthew yelled out, yes, he did. And I just remember going in the hallway, walking back and forth, like, and I walked back up, and I was like, you fucked your brother? You, you get what I'm saying? You fucked your brother. So I'm looking at them, too. I'm looking at them like, what? I can't understand. So I started punching Steven. You know what I mean? I'm like, what the fuck are you doing to him? I just I just started asking him questions. Matthew, at this point, is just spilling out. He's just spilling out. And Mom, and he's doing like this, and he do this thing almost every night.
1: This is where the entire story starts. Blair comes home one day to find Matthew making his wrestling dolls hump each other. When questioned, he admits that Stephen has been doing that to him. She starts punching Stephen while Matthew continues to tell her the abuses he suffered at the hands of his brother.
2: We reason I put bags over Stephen's head is because if we had Maddie. I thought Maddie peed in the bed. My son was never a bad weather. Didn't know it was Stephen waking up every morning pissing on Matthew like he was a damn piece of shit, okay? They had bunk beds. Stephen would get out the bed in the middle of the night. You would break up him in his own bed. You would pee on him instead of going to the bathroom. I'm waking up every morning thinking Matthew's a bed wetter. So we just wash him up and go, you do a bed wetter. Let's so, talk
4: about what you did to Stephen.
2: The reason I put bags over Stephen's head because my son told me that the plastic on his bed, because I thought he was a bed wetter. He said, sometimes, Mom, I couldn't breathe. Steven was laying on me, and he had my face down in the plastic on the bed. I couldn't breathe, and he was humping on my butt like a basketball. That's when I got garbage bag and started putting it over Steven's head, and I started asking him, bitch, you know what I'm saying? You see what this feels like? You can't breathe? You stop at my... That's my son. You could not breathe on top of getting raped. He was six years old at the time. You get what I'm saying? So I put a bag over his head. He lost consciousness. I did that a couple times. Um, He told me that Matty Matty would be face down. He had stuff around his neck. So I grabbed Stephen, I grabbed a belt and I put a belt around his neck and I lifted him up like, do you like how this feels, being choked with a belt? So I dropped him. I held him up until he lost consciousness as
1: well. Blair describes all of the realizations that she makes once she finds out about the rapes. One of the realizations that she makes is that Matthew is not a bedwetter. Every morning, she thought Matthew had wet the bed, so she would clean him up and wash his clothes. Blair claims that the truth was that Stephen would rape Matthew and then pee on him before going back to bed. Like most parents who have struggled with a child wetting the bed, Blair had put a plastic sheet on Matthew's mattress to keep it from becoming soaked in urine. Matthew told her that when Stephen would rape him, his face would get pushed into the plastic mattress cover and he wouldn't be able to breathe. Blair said that she put a plastic bag over Steven's head and choked him with a belt so that he would know how it felt.
4: You were intending to inflict ser- serious physical harm but not kill him. Definitely. Okay. Did you also punch him?
2: Yes I did. Most of the time. Yes I did. Okay. You talked about choking him. Did you also burn him? Yes, I did. Okay, how did you do that? Hot water. Scalding hot water. In our bathroom, the hot, the hot water gets extremely hot. So, um, his private area, I stood in the bathtub naked. You, you, you fucked up my son with Joe Dick, you know? So yes, I threw hot water in his genital area multiple times. Multiple times. Every time Matthew Stephen peed in my son's eyes. He put his dick in his ears, his nose. He peed. Matthew even told me one time, Mom, and in my eyes it was it was he said it was it was gooey. But it wasn't pee. And then right then it was like I didn't even know a nine year old could ejaculate. You get what I'm saying? So not only did you do that, you done it in my son's eyes. So my son had to go through all of this shit. So yes, yes. I threw hot water on him repeatedly. Did you make him burn? Yes, it did. His skin came off. Did you His also make him off. drink Windex? Yes, I did, because Matthew told me in the middle of the night, he had took him in the basement, and he made him drink the blue stuff from under the sink. And I'm like, what What blue stuff? So I walked Mary downstairs. He showed me what I said. You made Matty drink fucking Windex. And then I went back to, like, years before, and I'm like, is this what was wrong with him? I thought Matthew had the stomach flu. Would you vomit and have diarrhea? You get what? Well, at the same time, this is, at that time, this is what was going around. A lot of people had it, so this is what I thought Matthew had. He didn't. Stephen made him drink Windex. So, yes, I made that boy drink Windex. Okay, I'm just
4: trying to clarify the record. Okay, again, you knew you were seriously harming him, but you didn't intend to murder him.
2: No. Okay.
4: But your actions ultimately caused his death. Yes, they
2: did.
1: Okay. When asked if she intended to cause serious harm, but not to kill him, Blair responds, "Definitely." There's almost a level of pride about what she did, which makes sense since, once the bodies were discovered, she was always outspoken about killing her children and why. She described Stephen peeing and ejaculating into Matthew's eyes. She poured scalding water over Stephen's genitals, saying, You fucked up my son with your dick. So, she poured scalding water on his as revenge. Now you see why I made the extra disclaimer. Some of you are probably wishing you'd heeded my warning. She claims that Stephen had made Matthew drink Windex, so she, in turn, made Stephen drink Windex.
2: And if I had killed Stephen, intentionally, I definitely would be proud to say I did. But I didn't. But I know all the things that I did to him, how I hurt him, I know it did cause his death. You know what I'm saying? It was like that day, the day that he died, I went in his room. It was throw up in front of him on the bed. I got him up. He said he had to go to the bathroom, but he couldn't use the bathroom. By the time we came out the bathroom, his breathing was—it was crazy. Stephen usually has a strong heartbeat, but it was really faint, really, really faint. And then all of a sudden, he just started going like this. And I was holding him. We were both sitting on the floor, and I'm actually holding him up. Couldn't even hold a sip. I'm like Stephen, doing like this because the day before that, I actually said I'ma stop because I looked in the room like he is toe up. You know.
4: Were you starving him at
2: this time as well? No, I was not, I never starved him, and that's another thing that then I understand that he may
1: have lost weight. She describes the last day of Stephen's life. She had beaten him severely over the course of a week, as well as scalded him multiple times. She says that she took him to the bathroom and he could not hold himself up anymore, and that's when his heart stopped beating. Blair has absolutely no remorse about the death of her two children. This is not an observation about her behavior. She openly claims that she has no remorse and would do it again. She refers to them as demons. I don't feel no remorse for the death of them demons. There are questions about why Blair never called police about the abuse.
4: I'm wondering if Miss Blair ever called the police to report it. Can you answer that question?
2: Why is she asking?
4: We're just trying to make a clear record.
2: You mean to report what they had done? No. What they had
4: done to Matthew.
2: No, but... After I found out about Steven, even before I started hitting him, I did actually call the police on advice, and I told them, like, a hypothetical situation, like, if, because I was scared, like, you get what I'm saying, what's going to happen with my other two? I definitely want to lose Gabby and Matthew, and I definitely do, I was definitely about to leave Matthew after that just happened, but I called the police, and I'm asking, asking them, in a case where it's one brother that's been raping the other, what can be done? will they take both kids out of the home? And he said, well, actually, yes, they will take both kids out of the home, but this is a case for CPS. And they said, did that happen to you? And I said, no, it's actually your friend. He said, the best thing I can do is tell you to call CPS, and they can guide you further on what to do. And they said, but basically, it has to be an investigation, so both will be taken out of the home. You get what I'm saying? I understand.
1: She says that she actually called the police to ask a hypothetical question about what would happen if one sibling was sexually abusing another sibling. They told her that the case would be handled by CPS and that they would take both children involved out of the home while they investigated. She didn't want to have any of her children taken away, but was especially concerned with Matthew. She didn't want him taken away from her right after having experienced traumatic abuse by his brother. Which makes sense, but what she ended up doing wasn't the right option. That phone call led to her dealing with the issues in-house, in a sense. That led to Stephen's death, which created another moral quandary for Blair.
2: I actually was going to turn myself in right after Stephen died, and I told my son Matthew that, you know, I I, I fucked up. I got to go, and I got to go turn myself into the police. I got to go turn myself in. And he said, turn yourself into what? And I said, Matthew, turn myself into the police. That means I got to go because I killed somebody. And then he said, I don't want you to go. When he said that, that was it. So I put Steven in the freezer, and I said, I'm going to stay with my kids as long as possible. And I'm glad I did, because if I had not have done that, I would not have found out about Stony. You see what I'm saying? So everything happened how it was meant to happen.
1: Blair claims that she was going to turn herself in after Stephen died, but when she explained that to Matthew, he told her that he didn't want her to go. Because of that, she decided to put Stephen's body in the freezer and stay with her kids as long as she could. At the end of the audio, she says that she's glad she didn't turn herself in, because if she had, she would have never found out about Stoney. She says, quote, everything happens for a reason, end quote like some karmic force kept her from turning herself in so she could make sure her daughter was punished for her crimes. She has a very interesting righteousness about her, which makes her story sound more believable, but in the end, we just don't know if anything she's describing really happened. Abuse generally happens in cycles, and some would ask why Stoney would begin sexually abusing Stephen if Blair's claims are the truth. It would seem likely that she had been sexually abused at some point in her life as well, During her sentencing hearing, Blair brings up a possible scenario. They
2: used to always go over there. I kept you away. What was the change? They used to go over there all the time. What stopped and what they all know to be true is Alexander Dorsey's father, Alexander Sr., he was, they say, he molested Brianna. That is his other granddaughter, okay? So in 2006, when my daughter Gabrielle came home and told me that he was laying in their room on the floor by their bed, They never went back again. That's what stopped every visit to their house in 2006. I never sent them back there again because of that reason, but I never kept them away from them. Y'all can come see them anytime you want to.
1: It seems that there were rumors that Alexander Dorsey's father had molested a different granddaughter. Once Gabby came home and told Blair that their grandfather was laying on the floor by their bed, she never let them go back. But what if something happened before that? It's possible, but there's no evidence of that, and there's no record that Gabby or Stoney ever claimed anything happened. There was also a custody hearing to officially take away Michelle Blair's parental rights to her surviving children. This hearing is actually to determine the parental rights of all involved parents. The surviving children, Matthew and Gabby, underwent psychological evaluations by Dr. James Henry, director of the Southwest Michigan's Children's Trauma Center, in part of the hearing, Dr. Henry was asked about the credibility of Michelle Blair.
2: Page, of two of your report where you took from it that she was credible.
1: Credible in regards to... And the
2: statements that she
1: made to you. What I found with her statements were they were very consistent with... Gabby's statements and obviously the two of them had not talked since the arrest and so I found her statements credible um, because of that consistent and I did not hear her um, at that point um, I heard her talk about the welfare of Gabby and Maddie in a very credible way that those were very much concerned for her. On the other hand, reports say that the children never mentioned sexual abuse to counselors. Gabby did tell counselors that Blair burnt her on her back with a curling iron and chipped one of her teeth when she hit her with the same curling iron. She had a cut over her left eye, which was the result of Blair hitting her with a piece of wood. Matthew had 25 scars and wounds on his back, some old, some new. There were loop-shaped marks that were indicative of him being whipped with an electrical cord, Both of the surviving children confirmed that they had been physically abused by their mother their entire lives. Child Protective Services had received reports of abuse in 2002 and 2005. The records show that the reports were substantiated, but doesn't show if any action was taken outside of being referred to counseling. CPS does not have a good record of making sure kids are being protected from abuse, so it's not surprising that nothing was done. Michelle Blair was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. She will never be released. The judge in the custody hearing also terminated her parental rights. She has had 49 misconduct reports as of the middle of 2019. She has assaulted both inmates and prison guards. She has a history of throwing urine on both inmates and guards, and once threw a Pringles can filled with urine and feces at an officer through her food slot while in segregation. Her history of aggression and violence in prison only reinforces her image of being aggressive and violent to her children. Thank you for listening to Monsters. For more stories of the worst people on the planet, you can visit our blog at thisismonsters.com.
3: Life's full of things we can't depend on, like the Irish weather, predictably unpredictable when you're cutting it fine but the tractor in front is out for the day no winner of this week's you know what so much for lucky seven but some things you can depend on like in home heating emo jones oil and campus oil are now serta delivering the same warmth to your home now and into the future for home heating you can depend on see sertaireland.ie
0: this Christmas, feel joy, gift joy and send them joy with the perfect gift at Arnett's. Explore an endless array of gifting that will bring joy to everyone on your list. Shop Irish at the Christmas market, support emerging new businesses with Pitch 22 or find something extra special from one of our world-class brands. Shop in store and online at arnott's.ie
3: No, good boy. Keep your hat on, pet. Why? We're playing dinner at the North Pole, remember? So we need to wear our big warm coats inside.
1: When it comes to food or heat, many families will face impossible choices this Christmas. Please support the St. Vincent de Paul Annual Appeal. Donate locally or at svp.ie. Thank you.